Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. On this episode, I play an interview with Abby Martin, the creator and host of The Empire Files, co-host of the Media Roots podcast, a visual artist, a filmmaker who directed the amazing documentary Gaza Fights for Freedom, and perhaps most importantly, she's been accused by the U.S. government of, quote, fomenting radical discontent, end quote. It's a really great chat. And we talk about why she's suing the state of Georgia, which basically tried to censor her over BDS, which, by the way, stands for Boycott Day Best Sanction. Find out more about Abby at abbymartin.com and follow her on Twitter at Abby Martin. My co-host is Leslie Lee, host of the Struggle Session podcast, and you can follow him on Twitter at Leslie Lee III. Please rate and review the podcast and please become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. This week's Patreon-only episode is a chat with Leslie Lee and then with journalist Aaron Mate about certain statements that AOC made about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper, and you know who's here with me, co-hosting like... A machine, Leslie Lee. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. Of course, of course. Every Thursday here. Of course, you can catch me on Struggle Session, patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh dot plus. But I'm always happy to be here on Thursday nights with Katie Halper. Yeah. I'm going to have to beat you to the punch next time. Plug mine before. (laughs) Uh, uh, We're just getting actually, I just want to make sure that our guests got the right email. Um, let me just do that. And you know what, Leslie, this is a perfect time for you to shine. I'm going to tell people though, who our guest is and that very guest, that very guest is Abby Martin. Uh, Leslie, why don't you, you don't tell people why you like Abby Martin while I make sure that Abby Martin got the email. I mean, Abby Martin is, you know, one of the fiercest, you know, and bravest journalists, uh, there is, their work has been so influential, uh, to me and to my own politics, political awakening. I'm so grateful, uh, for her voice. And also, you know, I've had, had the opportunity to meet her actually at the, uh, live Katie Halper taping in a couple, a couple of, a year, a few years ago. And it's the most inspirational conversation I've ever had. In my life, you know, this is just someone who's so passionate about all the right things. You know, I have so much uh, absolute uh, respect for him. Nothing but respect. Nothing but respect. And you know what? It's that kind of those good vibes that got it so that she thought she didn't get the email, but she did. Again, Okay. (laughs) this is just I'm going to say it once. I'm going to say it again. You don't get this with every show. Yeah. So you're welcome. In, in fact, I, uh, there I, it seemed weird because I was looking at my Gmail waiting, and it didn't pop up until like 15 minutes after uh, the date. So I don't know if there was just something wrong with the um, with Gmail today, or they're, they're uh, suppressing your voice particularly. Yeah, specifically. that's what I was going to say. I mean, that's a little na- naive of you to assume it's a Gmail problem <laughs> as opposed to you know a Katie Halper problem. <laughs> Which is, I think, what it is, obviously. <laughs> yes, obviously. They're trying to, trying to take you out. <laughs> yeah. And then tonight, I mean, forget it. We're especially double threat, triple threat, quadruple threat when we got Abby Martin. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, uh, we're, joking aside, uh, she, she is, you know, has literally been silenced by, 
government by uh, multiple Republicans and Democrats, local, state, federal, as every well level. as tech tech companies, just yeah. everything. Yeah, and we're going to talk to her about that tonight, actually. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pick a fight, I think. Or Leslie, you already picked a fight. Tell us about what happened. So uh, very briefly. So I know you, we've been talking about the Snyder Cut. I've been catching up your audience on this, and there was a big article this week, and they probably heard about it because it was pretty big, big entertainment news. They probably heard about it. You mean from the show, and that's why they're yes, talking yes, about from it. The yeah, show. Uh-huh. but there was a big uh, article in the Hollywood Reporter where they talk about where they talk to Ray Fisher, who was the uh, actor who was kind of at the center of some of the controversy, who spoke out against uh, some of the abusive behavior by Joss Whedon on the set, as well as the um, complicity of Jeff Johns and Walter Hamada in this. And they are both they both ended up being, you know, promoted basically after this while Whedon ended up fired. And his thing was like, I don't want it to be just about weed and other people were complicit in this right. and I want to speak out. And so the Hollywood Reporter gave a big interview with him. And, you know, his his big real beef is kind of with Jeff Johns, who is this big wig at Warner Brothers, used to write comic books, right? And moved his way up the ladder until he was in, you know, basically that almost like at the top of all the DC movies, right? And, you know, we, we, we've talked about the Snyder Cut before, but my problem with the article was basically this. She lets, you know, Ray Fisher tell his story about, you know, the racism in his face and basically how he was very reasonable in his complaints and his pushback on certain things. There's a couple of, you know, very interesting details here. And basically, Joss, Jeff Johns ends up, does end up looking like an absolute villain because there's a story. And this hit, you know, big today that... Jeff Johns personally uh, blocked a black actor from being cast in the lead of a TV show because he didn't think that uh, because the character is supposed to be Superman's grandfather. Um, uh, so he said, well, a black guy basically can't play that part because fans are going to expect uh, his grandfather to look like Henry Cavill, which is an obvious lie because fans like don't care his TV show versus movies, et cetera, et cetera. But my problem kind of with the article and the person who wrote it is that they at the last minute, Jeff Johns, who Ray Fisher criticized, he does the thing that all of the accused people do. They wait till the very last minute to respond to the inquiry. And so what the writer did was instead of fact checking his responses, she put his basically his, you know, response that his PR person sent out against all these accusations and just basically kind of pasted them in the article without any pushback. And the problem is, like, if you had actually fact checked any of his comments, you would see very clearly that he's lying about this stuff, like all like numerous ones of his defenses. If you just public, if you just Google what he said, you would see that he was lying about this. But in but the writer of the article sadly did not. And when I made I made this big thread just detailing all the inaccuracies in lives, like for example, he claims that oh I, he uh, like there's a he claims that he's an ally because he helped uh, he co-wrote a comic that introduced Batwoman, who was the first you know lesbian uh, superhero or, or major uh, first major lesbian uh, superhero. Catwoman's a lesbian. Uh, Batwoman. 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 Sorry. Bat, okay. Batwoman. True, but he didn't actually co-write the comic. The comic was an anthology series with five writers, and the, we know the writer who wrote Batwoman, and it wasn't him. He just claimed to have 
written this character that he did not write. And in fact, under his leadership, DC botched this character so bad. She was the hottest character in comic books, but they delayed her introducing her uh, title for like a year, partially under his leadership. And the creative team who actually created the character quit in protest because leadership at DC, including Jeff Johns, uh, well, he was in the leadership. He wasn't directly implicated in this, but he was over the person who did this. Um, they wouldn't let her have a, get married. They wouldn't let Kat, the lesbian superhero marry her girlfriend. And so like they quit in protest about this. And this was around the time where gay marriage was literally like a hot button still a hot button issue in culture. So they were trying to do something really, you know, progressive and forward thinking. And they had gotten DC all this positive press because the press really latched on to Batwoman in a way that DC didn't expect. And he lies about creating her. And also like the article, if you, if the person who had fact, had fact checked this, they would notice that actually Batwoman is kind of a black eye for DC comics because they had this great character that people loved, but they botched it and the people who created them ended up quitting in protest so like you can't use that to the like it, it was it's like they, they the hollywood reporter basically and the hollywood reporter person is sympathetic um is not sympathetic to jeff john she does make him look like an asshole but because she didn't actually uh, because they didn't actually check the you know the the his pushback he got to get all these lies in about all the his career which is not true like for example it's not even mentioned in the article that his primary collaborator collaborator um Ethan Van Scriver is a white supremacist Jeff Johns's artist one of his primary artists on a lot of these comics he's talking about being diverse is a far is a alt right figure like well, that's no- diversity of a pin- <laughs> diversity of thought. You got to yeah. have diversity no, he from was- non-KKK people. You got to throw <laughs> in a KKK person, you know. So he wasn't, you know, oh, he wasn't um, openly white supremacist okay. at the time. But, you know, he now is. And so it's very strange that he would use this. Uh, he like the Hollywood Reporter wouldn't mention any of this when you're when when you have a black guy saying this guy racially you know treat me badly and then he you know they, they just post his you know defenses without you know any kind of fact checking and don't mention the fact that his former collaborator is huge on the alt right he's like a Steven Crowder type guy really? <laughs> you know like the, Jeff Jones and Ethan Van Scriver wrote a lot of comics together and you know it's just a very it was just very poor reporting and I just criticized it. And this is basically the response that I got. I think you'll find this interesting as a journalist. Uh, and I said, basically, I, so my original, my initial comment was you didn't, you know, nobody at T, uh, the Hollywood reporter fact checked this. Um, and then she's starts, right. Yeah. And you have to, yeah. And then you can just go to her post with where, I, where she says, you know, well, what if, you know, maybe he, right. jo- John, Jeff Johns didn't respond until deadline and we weren't prepared to delay a 5K word story. And it's like, so what if you weren't prepared to delay it? That doesn't mean you just post his takes like without fact checking. Like if like if Harvey Weinstein sent you uh, uh, um, some defense, Harvey Weinstein's lawyer sent you some defenses at the last minute, you don't just 
copy paste them in the article and right. get published. You know, you have to check that sort of thing. So that's just that was just my issue with it. Just as a, on a journalism perspective, uh, the way like these narratives get told and like it only took me 90 minutes to like come up with all these things. And this is someone who is very powerful, very rich, very wealthy. He makes the TV shows your kids watch, you know, like so it's worth, you know, actually diving in. Like yeah. if you're going to be a reporter for this, you go, you know, do your fact check. Don't yeah. just re uh, repeat what someone says. It was very strange. Well, Kim Masters, we're going to invite you onto the show. Feel free to come on. Well, I'd love to talk to her about it. I know. It. Look, I mean, she's, I'm not hostile. Yeah, I'll be I, a very I, fair I, moderator because I have no idea what the hell you guys are yeah. talking about. So I can't have any skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, although I'm learning. I, I'm learning. Uh, so then, and then did, was there any response? No, I think we're going to have to revisit this. But yeah, look, she, did, she didn't respond after that. I was just like, so like, okay, I get you're under a deadline, but like you're a journalist. That doesn't mean you just post whatever the the government, the accused, whoever that person is without like you, what you put, what you put is you, you know, uh, Jeff Johns was, was not able to respond in time with deadline. We will update the article yeah. as when we get their response and have time to fact check it. Well, yeah, I mean, almost as important, this is. We have a story that's almost as important as this, not quite, but it's a story about censorship, about free speech. Also, I'm not going to lie, I am wearing the same dress that I wore the other day, <laughs> multiple days later. So I feel like, should I change? It'll take me a minute. Should no. I go off camera and change? No? No, right. no, we're fighting back. Am I going to, are people going to be confused though? Or are they going to be like, I already saw this? I don't think so. What I do you guys think in the... Uh, fix it in post, change the color of your shirt in the thumbnail and then that's all oh, you have to do yeah, like yeah, change yeah. the color okay, of your shirt in your yeah. thumbnail that, that solves right. everything that solves everything boom there you go all right and on that note we're going to change it up a little bit by bringing in our guest very exciting i'm very excited mm -hmm. and she's a great person and she's a great journalist empire files journalist and her name is abby martin <laughs> welcome abby what's up guys how are you Great. I'm I'm sad to hear Leslie advocating cancel culture in this uh meetup <laughs> rant. Y'all, yeah. what, what's up with that? Yeah. Who, Who are you I canceling? Cancel? Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I I was like, did, did I I didn't smoke that much today? I did I cancel so No, just all this crazy shit about cancel culture. Oh yes. Like, no one's even talking about like what you know, like actual government mandated. Uh, right. Yes, like, you're like the you're like the one thing. you're like someone who's actually has been canceled, but you're right. fighting back. And fighting I love back, to see it. baby, fighting back. And it's good to it's see you. You look great and great you. setup too. Yeah, Thank you. I realize there's a big drop shot on me with the with the microphone. Oh, because you're whatever. taping in a different place from where you usually do. I look like yeah. I don't. I don't usually do. Yeah, I usually do podcasts without not being on camera. So. Oh, but what but, about your your Empire Files? Bit? Yeah, Why no, this is, we got the we got the dope backdrop. Uh, right, the backdrop. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you wear the you wear the thingy. You wear a um black. Yes. Okay. Yes. Why am I getting like more and more Morticia like? I'm lowering the lights, trying to raise the lights. What's going on? <laughs> Morticia. Yeah. Is that you say that like it's really problematic? Like I'm Morticia. What? You look good to me. I don't know. Oh I think God. that's golf appropriation. You guys look oh, great it? to me. Yes. I feel like it looks a little Jesus-like. Anyway, so <laughs> on to, to more important. Yeah, Angelic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, do, it know, do, yeah. do it in post. Do it in post. Fuck it. We'll do it in post. <laughs> Tell us about um, what is happening. You are suing the state of Georgia. Tell us why that is happening. 
and um, uh, what the status is of your case. Yes. So I think most Americans would be completely shocked, especially a lot of people who are obsessed with this notion of cancel culture, honing in on a very serious issue, of course, of big tech censoring and purging a lot of voices that don't go along with the mainstream corporate narrative, right? And we've seen that be pretty widespread, of course, not just with Trump supporters and Trump himself, but uh, of course, a lot of leftists and Antifa accounts and anarchists and communists and people sympathetic to countries that are deemed enemy states from the U.S. So this is obviously known and talked about quite extensively. Uh, What is not addressed as much, in fact, barely at all, and which I'm really, really thankful to be given the space on your guys' show about this, is the issue that 30 or so states, uh, give or take, have passed loyalty, like mandated loyalty oaths to Israel in order for people to work in the state. So if you are an independent contractor, and let's say you are going to Georgia to work as a construction worker or substitute teacher or doing what I did, which was going to give a keynote speech at a university, you are given a contract saying that you must pledge to never boycott the state of Israel in order to simply make money So basically, tens of thousands of people across the country in all of these states have forfeited their First Amendment rights in order to work in these states. This is a textbook, clear-cut example of government censorship. This is the black hand of the state coming down and censoring our First Amendment. This is like something that is just the most crystallized uh, version of whatever cancel culture is, right. you know what I mean? And so it's, it's absolutely ambiguous, totally unambiguous, <laughs> totally like, yeah. like, and what's so crazy about this, it's like replace the word Israel with literally any other, like, let, let's just say, like it said, like you, you must not ever boycott Putin or like criticize <laughs> Putin, yeah. right. Yeah. Engaging in BDS and like criticism of Israel it is just beyond the pale that 30 or so states have passed such legislation and just flagrant violation. Yeah. Flagrant violation of our constitutional rights. And like, it's not just the free speech issue, which of course is like the issue. It's also free speech encapsulates the right to boycott. This is something that's been constitutionally protected by the Supreme Court back during the Montgomery bus boycott back during Jim Crow. This is a, a, a an example of what people can use a peaceful demonstration across the world. This is what we saw bring down apartheid in South Africa. This is a, a right, a tool that we have as political activists in order to help hold powers accountable. Um, and the fact that Israel and, and the Israeli lobby has actually gone and undermined the U.S. Constitution, right, and sidelined our First Amendment rights and, and lobbied all of these states to pass these laws, and state legislatures have passed them, I think is just fucking astounding. You know, it, it's just such an astounding thing under the guise of anti-Semitism, fighting anti-Semitism. So anyway, my case, I... I was going to speak at Georgia Southern University at a media literacy conference, not even about Palestine at all. It was, yeah, very, very... uh, It was like uh, a censorship and tech uh, moderation (laughs) conference, yeah. Right, yeah. (laughs) And and so I was given such a contract, and I was like, obviously, I can't sign this. My entire uh, body of work advocates BDS. I just made this documentary, Gaza Fights for Freedom, which advocates BDS, Katie, which you saw with your mom. Um, Yeah. yeah, And, and, uh, and so it was just incredible. And then the conference fell apart and then I just felt 
totally powerless about doing anything about it. And uh, I just tweeted out the story because I just didn't know where to go with it. And I was like, I feel like I can't do anything about this. And I just am so outraged that, you know, my voice was shut down um, because I wouldn't sign this loyalty oath to Israel. And also it's really crazy that these loyalty oaths exist. And then CARE and Partnership for Civil Justice Fund reached out to me. And so we launched this lawsuit. And unfortunately, things have stalled a little bit because of COVID, but they have tried to render the case moot. They, they've tried to basically nullify it, um, bringing, and, and get this, they actually brought an Israeli consulate official to a committee meeting in Georgia to try to say, like, let's try to, um, you know, to, to change the law. Basically, they brought an Israeli government official to advocate changing the law so that my case wouldn't be valid. Um, the day after I filed the lawsuit, Netanyahu's press office, like the PM spokesperson Twitter account actually tweeted, like, whoever boycotts us will be boycotted. We've worked really hard to pass these laws across the country and basically threatening economic consequences for whoever doesn't go along with this. And I think that a lot of Americans would be just completely appalled that this has happened. And no one's talking about it, you guys. And like, everyone's just kind of crying about conservative censorship and you know, bemoaning about like people on college campuses like fucking Milo Yiannopoulos getting heckled when really like this is censorship. Yeah, <laughs> this is cancel culture like happening. It's already happened and it continues to happen. And really, if you look at what is being cracked down the most in this country, it is pro-Palestine. Yeah. On right. behalf of a foreign country. Yeah. And I, I just want to say also as a Jew, it's really, Israel, please stop doing this. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> it's a really bad look also. Like, we do not want to perpetuate the image of, like, controlling the media and stifling all criticism. Like, I mean, really, it's not a good look. So, Israel, stop doing this, but you don't care because, like, obviously Netanyahu is a total opportunist who doesn't actually care about anti-Semitism, uh, which is why he's buddies with all these, like, raging reactionary anti-Semites, like, in, in Poland and uh, Hungary. Um and Christian Zionists, you obviously don't care either. So I guess I'm speaking to people who maybe think that there's an, uh, like there's some good faith people out there who probably don't get it and think that they're being good allies in like and fighting anti-Semitism. But BDS is not anti-Semitism. And if you want to get real, it's problematic and a little anti-Semitic to conflate someone's position on Israel with their position on Jews. So... Of anyway. course, I mean they've weaponized they've weaponized this to to shield themselves from criticism and basically deflect all criticism to call whoever criticizes them right. bigots. Right, and it's a really bigots, really yeah. fascinating thing that they've done, and it's uh, it's really worked uh, up until this point. I think people aren't buying it for the most part. We see like polls dramatically shifting, public consciousness is obviously shifting on the issue, but the fact that like you know the liberal establishment, namely and primarily, is still holding up this facade. And, uh, and and that's a huge problem because this progressive except for Palestine yeah. thing is not, it, it doesn't work anymore. Right. And uh, do you have, by the way, the thing that they wanted you to sign? Do you have that available? I, it, it's in the lawsuit. I don't okay. have it in front of me, but yeah. it is, it, it's a fascinating thing because yeah. it's like, think about how many people that. just sign these, con like who reads contracts? I yeah. just was reading it because I was bored. <laughs> yeah, you could have come that close, right? <laughs> it's like the terms and conditions that you just sign away like 20 pages of text. You're like, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, I got to make that, those bills, dude. And then you read it. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why is that? Yeah. 
<laughs> that is really scary. So the Georgia law requires that anyone signing a contract valued at $1,000 or more with a state agency must uh, sign the pledge, sign into law by Nathan Deal in uh, 2016. So it's like even like like small amounts is like is really like that's just so bizarre. It's like what do they think so someone getting paid a thousand dollars to do something is going to do to the state of Israel that like, like they're not that like, that's just so bizarre. That's such a bizarre thing. It really is just about like stifling any sort of like speech. And like, uh, and Abby, you said you weren't really like talk there to talk about that. So like, what if you were like, what if somebody was just signing a contract to like clean, like, like, like clean the cafeteria? Do yeah, they have to sign? Exactly. They, is yes. that in the work packet too? Yes. Yes. It's like by yeah. default. Wow. So they, yes, by mean, default. They, they probably, if it wasn't by default, they would probably target you because you've made that really amazing documentary in Gaza and you've reported on these issues. But yes, it's, it's like, it's pretty scary that it's by default. Um, uh, I think it's, I yeah. mean, they're clearly trying to threaten. It's not even, you know, it's weird because it's like, will they actually retroactively go and like punish people who boycott Israel or advocate the boycott of Israel if they've signed this contract? I don't think so, although they very well could. <laughs> and in fact, right. they might. But I think what this really is about is uh, cancel culture. It's a, it's really about putting <laughs> the fear, the right. fear of retribution, the fear of punishment you know, and Siri keeps fucking talking to me because I have this Bluetooth headset. She's uh, like, just it may not be Siri. Say? I'm just it's saying, like, Siri, Jesus Christ. I mean, we've had um, a lot of intervention so far. <laughs> we got my email to you got kind of canceled. Uh, my email to Leslie was kind of canceled. It was delayed. It was, it was delayed. delayed. It's like, I guess they had to read it first and check it before they forwarded it. Right. Yeah, they had to, <laughs> yeah, they had to stream it. I'm, uh, like a, I think it's about self-censor. It's about self-censorship. It's because people won't, it's a really crazy uh, time we're living in, right? People are trying to make money and survive. We have half the country living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and of course, you're not just going to say like, well, I have to give up this job because I am pro-Palestinian or I might want to talk about this issue in the future. It's like, you probably will just kind of tuck it away and just say, look, it's not worth the risk. Um, in right. case anything happens to me. And that's really dangerous because you see other initiatives being taken like this. Like, for example, I just interviewed a woman named Sue Hare. This is a fucking crazy story, you guys. Her name is Sue, Sue Hare Nafal. And she posted when Razan Al-Najjar, that medic, the amazing feminist medic who was sniped dead during the Great March of Return by Israeli snipers, she posted when she died you know, good versus evil. She juxtaposed a photo of like some random American woman who was, who went and joined the IDF, like just joined a foreign army to subjugate and oppress and kill, uh, not kill, but like subjugate and oppress Palestinians, right? An American juxtaposed it with Razan al-Najjar. She was like, good versus evil. This is, this is crazy that this woman would do this. Anyway, two years after she posted that Facebook post, she was slapped with a defamation lawsuit, but not under like American law, an Israeli law firm tried to sue her for defamation under Israeli law, under Israeli law. And in Israel, defamation, like in California, defamation is, and in, I'm sure in most states in the U.S., defamation is if you slander someone and it hurts their image or like right. tarnishes their reputation and they can't, you know, it, it actually damages them. Yeah. In Israel, defamation, the legal like um, definition of defamation is actually criticism of the state. 
even if it's true. <laughs> wow. Oh. So like a lot of it, those new historians, those new historians in Israel, which is the, you know, the historians who reject the Zionist narrative, they, they got to yeah. be, you know, no wonder yeah. Benny Morris went right, white rank, went right wing. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. No no, I mean, he was going to get canceled because yeah, you get. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. And you can get and you can get actually sent to prison for like a year. Wow. In Israel, if you are, you know, if you are actually found guilty of this. So it is serious shit. And the fact that they tried to set a precedent here in the U.S. to charge an American citizen under Israeli law with defamation, I think really speaks volumes about this is a censorship campaign that is so wide reaching um, and it's just so stark. And and we saw, you know, an executive order that Trump signed on his way out the door that basically conflated Judaism with anti-Semitism on college campuses because BDS is so it's growing so fast and it's so successful. And that is obviously why they are running scared, because they know that they can't keep this up forever. Right? Right. Like they can't. It, something's got to give. Yeah. Abby, if I recall correctly, like the big reason these bills start coming is because celebrities, like even non-political celebrities start getting into BDS, which is kind of like part of the part of the movement. Right. You're supposed to make it's supposed to be a cultural boycott, too. And then they start passing these like these kind of quietly passing these bills while someone like I don't know if it was Lady Gaga, but it was one big pop, a couple big pop stars who aren't necessarily the most political people once they amount they announced that they were going to Israel and then people pushed back on it and then they canceled it. Um and I, and like those were some pretty big wins for like grassroots um pro-Palestinian uh, people but then they then it kind of seems like uh there was you know this pushback legally using the government and it's just like how can you know kids really you know on these college campuses kind of fight that Exactly. And it tarnishes their reputation forever. And then they're worried about getting jobs later on. That's what the executive order from Trump did. But you're totally right, Leslie. This was, I think, it really came to a head. And because the Great March of Return was so bad, it was such a bad PR disaster for Israel. Like they couldn't hide these atrocities. And it was just so blatant, right? Because we saw on video, like they can't control the narrative when we see on video people dying and getting tortured and harassed on the daily. And I think at the same time, around the same time, there was this giant meteor festival, like an electronic music festival going on in Tel Aviv or something like that. And you saw Lana Del Rey drop out. You saw Lord actually being pressured to drop out. You saw several high profile musicians leaving because they didn't want to deal with it. And that was a huge, huge disaster. Um, because Israel paints itself, as you know, like we're a gay haven. Right. They just paint wash the shit out of themselves. Yeah, yeah totally. Time, yeah. And it's like, come here and party and go to the gay clubs and all this stuff and just forget about the fact that we're like ethnically cleansing right. like millions of people. You're, da- you're and, dancing on top of nightclubs yeah. built on top of like demolished like, Palestinian homes. I, right, right yeah. like literally like, like the graves of yeah. ancestors that are, you yeah. know, being cleansed. Olive um, trees. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Olive trees. I mean... Yeah. yeah so these so these laws were passed. Um, these laws were passed, and uh, and it probably did have something to do with that because Hollywood started to turn against them. Even like Natalie Portman say like this is you know I can't I can't accept this anymore. I think it was like when Ahed Tamimi was jailed, and like even Sarah Silverman was just like this is not right. what I signed on for. Yeah. And those people back in 2014 were like Hamas is to blame for everything that's going on when Israel massacred 500 kids. So it was a really huge PR shift. The public perception had really dramatically changed. And 
But at the same time, you guys, what's fascinating is like a couple of years ago, I think in 2017 or something, like Hollywood stars like Ashton Kutcher and all these people like host IDF galas and raise like tens of millions of dollars for the IDF yeah. here in LA. Which is yeah. like, wait a minute. Well, we're already giving them billions of dollars a year. So why the f- why are you raising millions of dollars for a apartheid army? Yeah, really well funded. Yeah. Yeah, what I kind remember of that new story co- coming down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found the lawsuit, by the way, which has the language, if we want to look at it. Oh, great. It's yeah. Fascinating. Go for it. Sorry, I oh, I, I wanted yeah. to mention, just because you were mentioning dancing, I, I was in Japan once and I was standing next to this guy and he started talking to me. And he, because he spoke English, you know, English speakers kind of find each other in Japan. And he said, I'm from Israel. And it's like, yeah, I came to see this band because, you know, like, you know, they're one of the few bands who actually can, will come to Israel, who actually has pa- ever passed through Israel now because of the boycott and stuff. Oh, and, he was, and he wasn't like, and he wasn't like pushing back on it and the band was actually a small band like it's a band who just goes wherever they they ask you know i actually i think it was crystal castles so they weren't that huge at the time mm-hmm. but but it was very interesting because his he wasn't like fuck bgs fuck the boycott he was just like man it kind of sucks that country right like, has the, like right. puts us in this position yeah no, for real, for real, dude. And and that's exactly what BDS is. You're right. Like people are kind of under the false impression. They're like, BDS, you want to sanction Israelis and like make them starve? It's like, no, dude, of course not. We're that's not talking not... about like depriving people of food and we're medicine. Like, we're not talking about what he did in Syria, Venezuela, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, like, other countries, you know. Yeah, we're not talking about like actually starving people to death like right. our government does on the daily. Right, right. We're talking about like the cultural isolation. Yeah, a civilian, that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the, like the scientific, political and cultural boycott of yeah. society to yeah. uh, culturally like isolate and until something caves. Yeah. You know, that, that's exactly how this stuff works. So people are under the false impression. They like they compare sanctions to like, you know, what what people are calling for. And that's not what this is. Yeah. I used to get a little bit. I was like, it's not really here. It's neither here nor there. But I used to be like, well, it's kind of hypocritical because the United States also then should be BDS. But then I was like, okay, no, obviously there's no civilian, there's no like civil society calling for that. If they did, then then I would support that. I would support it. It would be inconvenient. I'm like, BDS us. Like, that yeah, didn't I know, really right. catch on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, so I have the I'm lawsuit. I'm so down. Um, no, I agree, yeah. Okay, so I have the lawsuit and... Um, Okay, go. well, we do have a, a couple of oh, yeah. uh, super, super chats, if yeah. you don't mind. Uh, okay, so no. somebody did ask uh, if you could elaborate on the Trump executive order that was um, stopping people from getting sure. a job. Yeah. Uh, Abby, Abby, uh, sorry, that was a question for you. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it was so from Sandai, ask Abby to elaborate on what she said about Trump's executive order in relation to people worried about losing getting a job that she mentioned earlier. Yeah, yep, hold on, I, just to get... Um, he'll read the lawsuit language and I'm going to find exactly yeah, what yeah, this okay. is because I don't want to sure. get anything wrong. Yeah. See how li- we're very, this is a no spin zone, guys. No spin no zone. zone. We're no checking zone. our facts, we're unlike the Hollywood the Report. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see. On July um, 19th, 2019, Georgia Southern University invited Martin to keynote an academic conference on campus. After accepting the invitation, defendants sent Martin a contract that outlined his services, a keynote presentation she would provide in exchange for an honorarium of $1,000. Grifter. Uh, The contract also required her to certify that she was, quote, not currently engaged in and agrees for the duration of this agreement to not engage in 
a boycott of Israel, end quote. Martin emailed in response, quote, as I'm sure you know, a lot of my work advocates the boycott of Israel, and I cannot sign any form promising to not boycott Israel, end quote. Uh, and then as a result, um, not surprisingly, uh, defendants prevented Martin from providing a keynote presentation and receiving the agreed upon honorarium. Um, and then in the aftermath of Martin's refusal to sign the agreement, defendants canceled, cancel culture, canceled the academic conference. So it was a whole conference. So it had a ripple effect because it wasn't just this yes. one event. You were the keynote speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the whole conference fell apart. And uh, and they actually subpoenaed the communications afterward because, like, I just got ghosted. And I was like, hello, am I still coming? Like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, wow. it was crazy. And then, like, my my uh, the lawyers subpoenaed the communications, and it was, like, just very obviously they're just like, what should we do? Well, oh, wow. I guess we have to just cancel it because, like, we don't know what to do. Um, but the... The executive order was on December 7th, so late last year, uh, total appeasement to the Israeli lobby, basically a a conflation of Judaism with anti-Semitism. So targeting BDS activism on campus. Um, It says discrimination against Jews may give rise to a violation of U.S. civil rights law. So it was basically saying, like, you will violate the law if you discriminate against Jews, meaning that really just meant like Israel. Like, so it's, it's such a wide reaching and crazy generalization. Um, and it's basically just meant to prosecute Palestine solidarity organizing, because you're conflating criticism of Israel with anti-Jewish bigotry. And then that just sticks with you. Like people aren't going to want to join these actions on campus if they think that that's going to impede their ability to get work, you know, college is like your launching pad to go on to whatever the hell you want to do. And like college campuses are, is such a hotbed for BDS activism and divestment campaigns that are hugely successful. So it was actually really smart, um, to target college campuses specifically and with this threat and just say like, you will essentially be declared like a anti-Semitic bigot. Right. Um, and we will make sure that that's like a tarred, you're tarred and feathered with this label. And, and then, you know, so do you really want to go through that? Right. Uh, really, really scary. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, I actually don't know, you know, I, I'm not sure what, what has been the effect of that, but I'm sure it's just been another just uh, self-censorship campaign. You know, people are just yeah. probably not participating. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, this total just reading at um, at The Washington Post um, and this is back in December of 2019 when this uh, executive order was signed. Uh, Joshua Shanus wrote this piece uh, last week. President Trump signed an executive order to fight anti-Semitism on college campuses while flanked by two evangelical Christian pastors, Robert Jeffries and John Hagee. Jeffries. No, sorry. Jeffress. Jeffress has literally damned Jews to hell while Hagee has warned of an international plot led by the Rothschilds to undermine American sovereignty, described Hitler as a hunter sent by God to kill Jews who refused to move to Israel and described the Antichrist as a half-Jew homosexual. He also called him fierce, which is kind of funny. But yeah, this is the perfect image, like the perfect symbol of of the the total pseudo-Jewish, you know, Whatever alley ship, I don't know what the word is. Goy, goy alley, goyasha alley ship, or something. Uh, that 
uh, is actually, first of all, the, a lot of the most, you know, the biggest Christian Zionists are anti-Semites. They want Jews mm-hmm. to move back to Israel. And uh, like, I think 400 of us can can survive and the rest of us like burn. Yeah, eternal forever. damnation. Eternal yeah. damnation, yeah. And then uh, the other thing is that the irony is that this is, you know, again, Jonathan Chait somehow, I remember he, he called um, Ilan Omar, this is a whole other thing, but you know, there is a trope of dual loyalty, which with which Omar was not, by the way, talking about. But that is a trope that like Jewish identity is the same thing as Israeli identity, and that you have some allegiance to this foreign government. So even this, even the conflation of Jewishness with a certain position on Israel, that's anti-Semitism. Like BDS is not anti-Semitic. It's actually anti-Semitic to present it as anti-Semitic, which isn't to say there aren't anti-Semites who support BDS. And that right. there aren't people who support BDS, but there are anti-Semites everywhere. And right. there's you know, anti-Semites who support Israel. Right. Yeah, a lot. It just gives yeah. fodder to the anti-Semites. Yeah, it does. You know? yeah. And, and it also right. like completely distracts away from actual Nazism and fascism that is right. on the rise, as we yes. know. Right. And, and if you the Israeli government that, seems yeah. to not actually give a shit about. No, because that's why they like remember they it was so awkward. Ox when Netanyahu was in, in Poland and they had like passed a law making it like illegal to say that like Poland had participated. I have to find the exact language, like, but like you couldn't yeah. like zero, you couldn't single out Poland for its role in the Holocaust. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Netanyahu's own son, I forget his name, but um, he's a total like weird alt right sympathizer. And he like has posted himself like anti Semitic memes about wow. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, what is going on? This is yeah. so surreal. And did you hear um, Andrew Yang? What a total. What did he do? Oh my God. His, uh, he, he uh, was recently confronted, I, I think, by Crystal Ball and Kyle Kalinske about his stance on BDS because, of course, he conflated it with like, Anti-Semitism? Uh, Nazism. Oh, yeah. Like actual Nazism. No, no, sorry. Yeah, and and he was just like, well, he totally tiptoed around it, and he was just like, well, um, BDS calls for to abolish the state of Israel, no, and like, what? I can't agree with that. And it's like, dude, does South Africa exist today? Like, no yeah, one is right. I think somehow like, they made it through. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that that's not, it's just such a gross distortion of what BDS is, and it's disgusting. Yeah, I have the really, quote really here. Disgusting. I, I have the quote here. This and is I, interesting, by the way. So, just, yeah. Sorry. Well, oh, I have the... Go. Yeah, I no, just no. had the quote from Yang. I, uh, it's yeah. really bizarre because, like, he said this on, like, Secular Talk, which is a pretty left-leading show. So, like, it's like uh, he doesn't know his audience and he just made this really extreme thing. Like, he doesn't even... Like, no one is, like, asking... Andrew Yang, what he thinks about like Israel Palestine, I think in general, but this was his answer like BDS specifically as an organization, as a movement, has refused to disavow extremist elements that have essentially said Israel does not have a right to exist. So that's quite extreme. Yeah, no one's saying that. They're saying that the Zionist regime shouldn't exist, like in its current form, because that five million Palestinians are not, they don't have democratic rights, dude. Like, Hello, like how dare you conflate that and distort that and and obfuscate the obvious reality? And I know he's pandering because he's yeah. running for yes. what mayor of New York or whatever. Like, it's it's quite disgusting. I mean, he really really ripped his mask off there because it's just like, dude, I'm sorry. Um, I'm you know I I don't discriminate when I say like I want 
equal rights, human rights and democracy for everyone. And right. if you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm liberal and I'm on the left. But like, yeah, Palestinians are Nazis. It's like, no, that that no, they all want to kill us. They and, all want to push the, us to the sea. And the thing yeah. is, he's pandering to you, Katie. He's trying to get your vote as a Jewish person living in New York. Yeah. Like, like this is not appealing to you because uh, Jewish as, people are uh, not Jewish a monolith. In New York, yeah, are not a monolith and aren't all like everyone in BDS is a Nazi. Like, that's just not right. Like, so that's not even good pandering. Right. Yeah. No, it's not good. It's not good at all. And also, uh, you know, I'm going to ready for me to make a real dent in his campaign. Yeah. You know what he opposes? What? You know what his mo- one of his most controversial positions is? Oh, circumcision. He's anti. Oh, I like now, that. That's now, the only I'm thing fine I like with anti. I mean, I have a big debate. I'm a firm believer in the fact that it obviously started out for health reasons. I don't know why people can't admit that. It doesn't have to be. It's no, no longer a health issue in, in industrialized nations. I'm not anti or pro. I just think that I don't like the conf- comparisons between that and genital mutilation. I say no to that. I think it's ridiculous. Okay. It did start out as a health thing when people were living in, des- you know, that's, I don't know why Christians dropped it. Like you got the Jews did it. The Christians were like, uh-uh, and Muslims are like, yeah, we're going to bring that, we're going to circle back, <laughs> circle, circumci- circumcision back, circumcise back. But I'm just saying, I, I mean, I'm just saying. that. Yeah, he had be, a lot of strong words about that, and that, and that, gonna, that could alienate the, you could lose a lot, you're cutting yourself off, you could cut <laughs> you're off a lot yourself. of your, I'm sorry, just, I can't even like, yeah. Don't, you're, you're cutting off your, your, Something despite your face. Despite your dick. You're yeah, cutting off yeah your you're face. cutting off your foreskin despite your dick. Um, but uh, I shouldn't do that because that's not why. That's not my problem with him. Uh, it is the. Uh, it, but I'm just saying. I could imagine a bunch of religious people now getting upset. Uh, yeah, it's a fascinating thing that he he just went right out of the gate with that, but then he's just like so, you know, yeah, tepid in his response really, about yeah. this. It's like mm, says a lot, dude. I mean, it's just it's so disgusting that here we are. In 2021, when the UN said by 2020, Gaza will be uninhabitable. So where are we at? They don't have clean water. There's no access to like, you know, they, they used to count their calories. Like everything is patrolled by, by Israeli officials. And then there's 2 million people living in this open air prison, right? And they don't have freedom. They don't have mobility. And then there's the West Bank, 3 million people living under a brutal martial law. They can't have rallies, they can't participate in political demonstrations, they can't raise a flag legally. Like, this is serious shit, you know? And the fact that Saturday Night Live was like protested and boycotted yeah, and the, thing on that, yeah. It's just like, what what is wrong with you people? Like, honestly, what is wrong with society that you cannot acknowledge this horrific oppression that we are subsidizing with US tax dollars? And that's why it is really the onus is on us, American citizens. It is our government. Yes, there's horrible stuff going on all over the world. I personally think this is one of the worst human rights catastrophes in the world. And the fact that my government is directly sponsoring it with my tax dollars makes it that more urgent right. and dire for us to organize and try to link this struggle with all of these other struggles because it really can be linked. You know, this right. is a global empire. Imperialism is global. The fact that Israel uses military technology to oppress refugees at the border, like all of this is connected. Police. Look at the police institutions. Yeah. They're all trained in Israel. The NYPD has a headquarters in Tel Aviv, you know? And so we need to wake up. Like, I don't know how 
how much longer we are going to let this slide, how much longer people like Joe Biden can just unapologetically say, I'm a staunch Zionist, and Kamala Harris actually compares uh, Israeli activism to like the civil rights struggle in Selma. I mean, they are horrible. Oh, God. You know, on Palestine. What yeah, it's that? really That's embarrassing. Awful. Yeah, it's really, they were probably the worst next to Amy Klobuchar when it came to their you know, loyalty to Israel. And it's pretty grotesque. I mean, Joe Biden got a hundred percent APAC rating. It's sick. It's just like people are suffering and dying every day and the land is disappearing, you know, and there is no second state to be had. And and the sooner we wake up to that truth, the sooner that we can try to galvanize and organize some sort of movement to hold Israel accountable. The ICC, hopefully something will happen there because the U.S. government will continue to veto every everything that tries to be initiated on a global scale. And our government is just disgusting, um, everything it does around the world. But this is, this is one of the worst, you know, and people, can, we can't wait. Like, it's yeah. such an emergency situation, you know. And COVID, I mean, COVID's made it that oh much my worse. Gosh. I get, yeah. I'm on a group text with the people that we did Gaza Fights for Freedom Which with. And just so every good, day, it's just like. I can't recommend enough. Yeah. Thank you. No, and thank you. We're actually going to release it for free um, on, oh, Rizant, on on the anniversary of her death, June 1st. So I hope people check that out on YouTube. It's going to be up. Um, and hopefully our YouTube account doesn't get taken down because of it. <laughs> like, Yeah, if it does. Just like yeah. anticipating like anything could happen because of just how awful this is getting. You know, well, cancel culture. Cancel yes. culture, yeah. As someone who's been uh, gone after, uh, been censored, and also as someone who you are like distinguishing between uh, cancel culture as it's often described and, you know, I mean, there is, it is an interesting semantic discussion, which regardless of what your thoughts are, I think what one's thoughts are, I think it does need to be hammered out. But a lot of people with our politics want, like, support more mo- content moderation and more limits on what can be said on Twitter and different platforms. What's your position on that? I'm close to a free speech absolutist. I think that it's a huge slippery slope. I mean, because going back to the 2016 DNI report, Katie, because you had me on your show when the Russiagate stuff was really coming full steam. And my show, Breaking the Set on Russia Today, that ended two years before Trump got elected, was wrapped up into this whole Russiagate hysteria and actually blamed in part for Trump's election as part of the Russian disinformation campaign. And I was accused of sowing discord and fomenting radical discontent in this country by simply covering third parties, interviewing Jill Stein, talking about police brutality, covering Occupy Wall Street. This is so dangerous to me. So I, I, I was so acutely aware of this that long ago that I knew that this was the beginning of something horrible it would snowball and spiral out of control. And so I've just kind of seen um, how awful it's gotten. And I'm not surprised because I was on the receiving end of this so long ago, but I am just very alarmed at how many people don't understand how the hammer will always fall down on you. Um, It doesn't matter who you are. If you are an independent content creator and you are simply opposing corporate media narratives, that is construed as fake news. You're, you can be accused of towing the Russian line. We all know this. We've probably been lumped in with like a proper not, you know, uh, some front group that's accusing us of this already. There's that black box algorithm on Hamilton 68 dashboard. There's all these Twitter accounts that already do this, right? Label people as Russian disinformation if you are simply criticizing U.S. foreign policy or going against the mainstream line. 
and to push these people into like alternate lanes of reality and tiers of the internet where they just don't exist because they offend liberal sensibilities is such a dangerous future. Because what is that going to do to society? What does that do to our collective consciousness? It's like, I, I fear the future where, where that's just going to be um, encouraged and accepted even more, you know, because it's already purged so many people. Like, as I mentioned, I mean, people who are simply like Chavista talking about the Venezuela coup, you know, people who are pro-China. Like, why is Twitter doing the bidding of the U.S. government? Why is it that before there was any laws in place that Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram were acquiescing to the U.S. government and saying, okay, we're going to change our, our <laughs> algorithms? And we know what the effect of that was, that Google changed its algorithms back then, and all of these websites are now obsolete. Counterpunch, World Socialist Website, I mean, Project Censored. It's like you have to go to like page 20 on Google search results to even find anything other than like your corporate media narratives. And that's really dangerous for people who are just simply getting introduced to media literacy and a critical media education. Because how do you do that? How do you self-teach these skills if we certainly don't learn them in school? You know, when I was in college, I was able to find out a lot of stuff online, which led me to the trajectory I am today. But like people today, I find it really baffling because they've already censored us to such an extent where they've already curated our reality to such an extreme degree, but we just don't realize it. Right. Yeah. And that to me is just as scary as whatever censorship they're bemoaning about China or anything else. Right. China. Yeah. China. Yeah. China. China. Yeah. yeah. In <laughs> fact, before we even started, there was already somebody saying um, that we should be, before we even said one word, there are people like, well, you're talking about censorship of Palestine. It's like, why aren't you talking about China? I'm like, you didn't even wait for the show to start, uh, <laughs> officer. Yeah. Officer, yeah. you got to wait for the show yeah. to start. Don't put it in the pre-show uh, yeah. chat. Right. But, yeah, right. in you didn't there, know, actually. Officer. And this brings us to the next question I was going to ask. What about China? For all they know, that's coming next, but it's not. We can talk about it another time. But, I mean, just to, to break it down, this yeah. is a pretty simple uh, thing, which is that, like, I'm talk we talk about our own government. Like, this is, I mean, you... It's not that deep. Uh, if if I were asked to sign a loyalty oath to China, uh, I'd probably object. Uh, well, I mean, my I'd brother, sign a no war with China thing, but yeah. My brother said this on the last, people should check out Media Roots Radio. It's our podcast. But he said, we are Jeffrey Dahmer on steroids times a million. That is what the U.S. government right. has done. Just in the last 20 fucking years. Right. How many yeah. millions of people's blood is on this government's hands. How many tens of millions of people have been expelled from their homes, maimed, lives destroyed? And you have the fucking audacity to talk about China? To talk about China when you actually know nothing about this country. You are ignorant of their politics, their culture, their economic system. The vast majority of people hammering and harping about China constantly are completely ignorant about what's going on in China, and they don't give a shit about their own government. Look in your own backyard, fix your own backyard, because this government's a genocidal entity that is on a, that has just total bloodlust 
And we need to stop it <laughs> because, uh, I mean, how many countries are under the boot of U.S. empire and imperialism, right? I mean, look at the bases around the world, 700 plus bases, tens of millions of people affected by this. It's just absolutely beyond the pale. A million dead in Iraq alone. Look at Syria. Look at Libya. Look at the coups in Latin America. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't, I can't stand it. It's like, yes, I wish that I could do something to just wave a magic wand and end all oppression all around the right. world. But guess what I can do? I'm an American citizen. I'm a, I'm an empire baby. And what I can do is actually resist my government because all of the people around the world who are living under the boot of imperialism are looking to us saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Can you please form some sort of movement to stop your government from oppressing me? But hey, Abby, what if they're actually saying, Americans, can you please, for the love of God, do something about China? Maybe that's what they really want from us. I mean, we're, we're getting all these comments. Maybe they are they are in these foreign countries and they're saying, actually, what Americans need to do is talk about China. I wonder if they're on Chinese YouTube streams telling them to talk about America or, or America's uh, involvement uh, in uh, Israel and Palestine or like, like, like I, it's just so strange that like there's that, that constant deflection and people right. are just very excited about like having a good bad guy to point to. And it's, it, oh, yeah. it's, and, and it seems like because China seems so pop because we have all those stories maybe five uh, years ago, 10 years ago about how powerful China is. Now it doesn't feel like racist to talk about China, to uh, slot in China into like the Iraq position or like the Afghanistan right. position right. where you're yeah. just com- saying, or the North Korea position, right? Like, well, you know, if when, when you start saying we need to do something about North Korea, we need to do yeah. something about Iraq, most reasonable pe- people will kind of say like, why? Like, well, they're not that big a deal. But when you say China, it's like, well, I've been hearing about China's going to take over the world for the past 20 uh, years economically. So now maybe that is a problem. Yep. China, Russia, two nuclear armed powers that pose no threat to us whatsoever, but because they are economic competitors with this government and and which has been articulated as such very blatantly by Tony Blinken and all of these other people, the NATO conference that just happened, this is all articulated in their own documentation. It says these are global competitors that need to be dealt with. Because we need to impose our global order, right? This is the this is the big deterrent from U.S. hegemony taking over the planet, is China and Russia. It's outrageous. This is what a propaganda does. It melts people's brains, and it really just deflects from the problems of your own government. When your government is a mass murdering entity, when your government has is illegally occupying uh, dozens of countries, when your government is engaged in warfare, mass murder, and also has uh, Guantanamo Bay still open, that's rectally force feeding oh, inmates yeah. right. that are right. innocent. Actually, yeah. And you actually have the audacity to talk about concentration camps in other country. Um, it's it's amazing. It's amazing how well and effective propaganda works because people will actually conflate the two. And I find it really fascinating when China's the one who's being bombarded with the war games, the threats, the constant propaganda um, of you know U.S. warfare and and U.S. domination. And um, and it's just. It's just unbelievable. We're in a global pandemic. We need global cooperation. And here we are talking about how China needs to be dealt with. And it's just it's just disgusting um, that these are the people who are elected to represent us. And we're all just cannon fodder for their the capitalists 
you know, right. it's just like, it's unreal, but yeah, it really is just a, a big old deflection, you know, and that's really what it comes down to people who are too babyish to deal with how genocidal their own government is because then it makes the impetus fall on their shoulders where they actually have to do something about it. So it's much easier to just say, well, China, well, China. Right. Yeah. And if we're not the empire, then China, you know, right, and they yeah. would, and they would fall in place and then they do this and that. It's like, no, that's no, that's, that's insane. No one has to be the empire. Right. Yeah. And I think honestly, it has to be like uh, a multipolar world is much better than a unipolar world with the U.S. at its head, I would say. uh, Yeah. Look, it's like you have people competing over like, you know, the Washington Post is like, well, you know, the U.S. is not going to the U.S. isn't lobbying the WTO to, to, you know, Basically, the, the WTO does not want to give people the generic vaccines for COVID, which is a disgusting thing to do. And uh, the way that the Washington Post kind of framed it was like, well, if they don't do that, if they don't vaccinate people in developing nations, that leaves the floor open to, you know, authoritarian um, adversaries. It's like, OK, good, fine. Like if that is going to be the reason Whatever that you want to vaccinate. Done. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> this, the, the Cold War. I mean, it really pushed a lot of Jim Crow, like really pushed Jim Crow, dismantled certain parts of Jim Crow more than anything else because of the, you know, having to appeal uh, to, to appear like uh, anti-racist or not racist, uh, because that was one of the things that, you know, one of the major hypocrisies that the Soviet Union would highlight. Yes. So, uh yeah, yeah, remember all the all the corporate media was like peddling all this crazy shit saying like China is like trying to so like they're trying to like propagandize us by sending ventilators and masks and, and yeah. now like sharing yeah. vaccine information. It's like what? Well then yeah, keep the propaganda up. Or you know what, US, why don't you step it up and actually yes. like treat people? Meanwhile, the US is just like increasing sanctions on all these countries, like yeah. making it harder to get medicine. It's like, what is going on? I mean, the fact that people actually still think this is some sort of beacon of democracy and human rights and therefore right. are like asking the US to intervene in situations like Leslie, like people who are I, I don't even believe that they're real for the most part, but like bots being like, Come help us, like right. U.S., come invade China and, like, save us. It's like, dude, how can anyone look at the U.S. government? I mean, if you you see these global, like, polls, I don't know how they take these, but, like, the U.S. is clearly the world's largest threat. Yes. (laughs) Like, most (laughs) of the planet. Right. Yeah. And we're just <laughs> we're just so deeply conditioned and ignorant that we actually, like, have no idea what's going on, you know? And, I mean, as soon as you travel... That's another thing. Americans like don't travel very much. And I know it's a luxury, but like just go, I mean, like get out of your city and like go to urban areas and like talk to people, you know. Yeah. Like just, and- <laughs> yeah, it just, just like you mentioned the bases, uh, Katie mentioned the bases around the country, uh, around the world. Like no, like Mar- Americans just don't think how wild it is that we regularly have conversations about which country are we going to bomb next? Because most countries don't have those conversations. That's not a media cycle in most countries. <laughs> do we do Iran? Do we do North Korea? Do we uh, do, you know, Yemen? Like most countries don't have that option. That's just not 
a thing that like countries don't just decide like, well, uh, it's this country is a threat and we need to go like bomb a few people. Like, like there's only a handful of countries who live in that state and have that mindset. Americans like have no concept like that is not normal. Like that is like you're the baddies. You're the baddies. Yeah. If, if in, your entire if your entire life, your country has been at war with multiple countries, which is the case for, I think, everyone listening to almost everyone listening to this show. You're the villain. Like you're the problem, not China. Dude, right. totally. And then the cause and effect, like a mass influx of refugees, people trying to escape Libya, capsizing on boats, um, the economic degradation of this country, the fact that we don't have health care, we don't have anything, no safety net for people. It's completely eroded because every single cent is squandered into this giant military machine that is perpetrating endless violence around the world. And that is just really fascinating that people do not see this connection and they continue to think that this is somehow necessary and then China's somehow the problem. It's like, no, we we can have nice things. We need to abolish all of these things. You know, like like people don't even realize that like ICE and the DHS are like new. You know, they just keep right. expanding. Yeah. I mean, like I just see things like the raves that have been going on in China since last August. This was supposed to be the Chinese virus, but mm -hmm. their country was able to come together, deal with it. And we're still like wiping down our groceries with no end, real end in sight. We're pretending like it's over, but it's not necessarily going to be over this summer. It's just like, even if I thought China was going to just take over the world and run over the world, I'd be like, maybe they deserve a turn at it. Like, <laughs> like they, they seem to handle this COVID thing um, fairly well and fairly quickly. Yes, there were some draconian measures put in place um, for a specific purpose. And then they ended on like the American style where you put in the uh, where you make people take off their shoes because one guy fails right. to bomb a plane. And then everybody mm -hmm. for the rest of time in when they're in America has to take off their shoes when they get off the plane, which you don't have to do in the most uh, under countries. You just don't have to do all that the stuff American does. So, yeah, I actually think, like, even the threat of China, I'm like, what, like, don't threaten me with a good time. Like, China's gonna take over the world? Like, <laughs> great. Like, maybe we'll get some shit done and maybe we'll move humanity towards, do, like, doing something other than just, like, making luxury condos or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, it's fucking crazy, man. The fact that the, like, the only solution to COVID being over is the, gov is the government just being like, everyone just do your part. Just do your part. It's like, I don't, why is, why is it on us though? Yeah. You know, like why? It's just like recycling and right. saving the environment. It's just like, just do your metal, part, drive a Prius straws. and yeah, yeah and, and, and get the right straw. It's like, no, I think that there should be uh, something done on the government's behalf. Like, you know, the military is the largest polluter in the world, the largest contributor to climate change. And maybe you should just ban styrofoam. Like, have you ever thought about fucking yeah, that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing here? Right. It's always charity in this in this yeah, place right. of justice or yeah. regulation. or Yeah. And so now America is just fucked, exceptionally fucked. We have all these crazy mass phenomenon that are just unique to this country, like, you know, opioid epidemic, the mass shooting phenomenon, like all of these things that are just so the gun obsession just it's such a there's so many symptoms of the sickness of american society and it and it all just bleeds from this like empire baby 
syndrome of this out of control military industrial complex. I think that there's a mass uh, psychopathy going on, if yeah. that's even the word, but it's, it's truly yeah. disturbing. That is the word. Yes. It's yeah. truly disturbing. And uh, yeah, so that's where we're at. And every other country seems to be kind of dealing with it in a much more efficient way because we're America and we're exceptional. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We are. You see, Gotta are you happy? It. You you yeah. you jingo us out there. Abby Martin just yes. called America exceptional. <laughs> yes. She's an American exceptionalist. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, you guys, the BDS stuff. Thank you so much for yes, getting me thank on you about so this. Much. Yes. Yeah, thank come you. back. Definitely come back. Yeah. No, I'd love this to. So I love fun. your yeah. your show is so great, Katie. Thank I'm, you. You feature so many critical people, and um, yeah, no, it's really great. You're giving a platform to really good people. Keep it up, you guys, and uh, yeah. Keep and up you too. The keep up the, yeah. I'll keep yeah. you posted on the lawsuit. Uh, yeah, people check out yeah. the Empire Files. We're definitely going to be posting updates there and uh, we'll show. let you know. I mean, hopefully it gets struck down. And if it, I mean, this is like the most important civil rights issue there is are these anti BDS laws that are suppressing free speech and pro Palestine speech. And we really need to speak up yeah. um, about them and speak out against them. So thank yeah. you so much, you guys. You guys rock. Thank you. Thank you so Bye, much, Abby. Abby. Thank you. Cancel culture. Thank Bye. You. I can't <laughs> You know, and it's true, by the way, uh, let me just say one thing. Well, let me say a couple of things. First of all, let me say thank you for watching the Katie Helper Show. And, well, uh, well uh, if I don't really interrupt you, I want to thank you, Katie, again, for having Abby on because she's oh, just yeah. one of my favorite people. She's world. great, right? Thanks again for listening to the Katie Helper Show. To hear me and Leslie and journalist Aaron Mate talk more about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and, in particular... AOC's pretty confusing comments about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. You can become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, we remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. Our show is produced by me, Katie Helper, Nick Palm, Brad Bloom is our audio engineer and an associate producer on the show. Our researcher is Joshua Bregman, and our intern is Maria Trujillo. And our theme song is by the band Cordova. See you next time.